A woman murders her husband and is committed to a psychiatric institution because of her silence. A therapist, fascinated by her story, is determined to get her to speak. The therapist, Theo Faber. The book, The Silent Patient. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit! And this is Kari. And you're listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and drama. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kari. Yeah, girl. Did you do anything interesting this week? No, What's I'm been back going to work. on. No, nothing really. No, what about you? Like you, like for real? Right back. Yeah, I like, mean, I'm right back, back to work. What am I going to do? You think I was out at the restaurant, out at the rooftops where I want to be? <laughs> you, you think that's what I was doing? No, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> I think I was we don't officially open until next week, until Monday. Well, all the oh, places well, I want to go to, they ain't open for a while. Right, right. Let me scratch that. But hey, that. the library going to be open for you. It's open I now. Wait. <laughs> it's I am open. looking for an opportunity for the library Great. to be open. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. I'm serious. Yeah. Um, I had an opportunity this week to uh, get together with a friend and have a Zoom and cocktail. Zoom with cocktail with a friend. So that was a little fun. Good. I, I mean, not a little fun. It was fun. I mean, we hung out, you know, yeah. on Zoom. Yeah, with no fresh air. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. all nice. These Zoom parties have been really um, survival hanging out. But now I want to like hang out, hang out. Uh oh, is the um the warm nice weather out. starting to get to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's nothing to do inside but like read. Which, ugh, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to go out. I I wish I could just read. I really do. If I could just sit down and read, I would be at peace. But I mm-hmm. always got to do something else. And that what you gonna do? Something else I don't want to do. And we're just gonna move on, okay? Well, that's hurtful. <laughs> Um, you know what? I'm going to call it payback. <laughs> each, week readers, <laughs> each week readers, each week readers, we select a theme to discuss inspired by the book that we're reading. Mm-hmm. The theme chosen for this week's book is the benefits of keeping a diary. Now, Kari, did yep. you keep a diary growing no, that's up? That's lame. No, I don't. I don't do that. <laughs> I mean, I did probably growing up in spurts. Sure. Yep. You I even did. remember one with a little lock on it. It was cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, listen, I now I'm trying to play with my memory. And I think as you get older, your memory start to make up stuff. So here it goes, <laughs> folks. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I can't remember if I kept a diary. I'm leaning on the side that I didn't. I really wanted to because I grew up in a time where all the young girls I saw on TV were they had a um a diary. I and the books that I read have girls with diaries. Um, and so I wanted one. I mean, then I read Anne Frank. She had a diary, but I don't Propaganda think I had a diary. Propaganda by Big Diary. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I made one for myself, but I'm not sure. I've never truly been committed to diaries. I've only just wanted to have one because I saw other people or read about other people. But you with journal. Them. I do not journal. Oh. Here's the thing. actually. I think that's the reason why I have so many journals. I mean, I have a collection of them. I have a, a journal to keep my bills. I have a journal regarding my um, health. I have 
I have another journal. It's not pop picking, jumping to me right now. Oh, I have a therapy journal. Mm-hmm. Do you currently keep a journal or a diary? No. Not at all. Not even a travel diary. Nope. Because you travel a lot. Should really you keep one of those. Mm, back at you. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I went on vacation with a friend and she pulled out her travel journal. And I, I was surprised by that. I'd never seen that before. So, I, you know, it was years ago. But she always wrote. Um, just thoughts about her trip in that journal. So I always thought Alexis, that was this conversation is making me really sad that we can't just hop on a flight somewhere right now. Can you please move on? I know. I know. I, but <laughs> so I mean, depressing. that was. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. But so listen, what's the difference between a diary and a journal? Do you know? Mm, no. Is there a difference? Okay. So I used to believe that. Girls had diaries and boys had journals. Wow. But I'm not sure where I got that from. <laughs> I, I believe that. I believe that. And I'm not sure where I got it from, but I had it. Anyway. Uh, okay. Diaries and journals are And one typically, sounds like a little more silly. And it's not the, the boys diary? one. No. <laughs> Come on. I use synonymously, but um, there are differences. Um, according to... The feltmagnet.com. A diary is a book to record events as they happen. You can record personal experience in those um, so on a daily basis. A journal is a book used to explore ideas that take shape. So this could be um, something more general, like a general record. And it could have tef- technical references and uses as well. In the article, the author Sadie Holloway went so far as to provide examples. For instance, if the topic or theme is food, cooking, or nutrition, in the diary, you would write a record of the food you ate today and how it made you feel. In a journal... I love that. I'm going to do that. I'm writing it down right now. (laughs) In a journal, you would write notes about new recipes you want to try. So, and then if the topic is fashion or style, in a diary, you might write an itemized list of what you wore today. But in a journal, you might include magazine clippings or pictures of designer handbags you want to own one like day. Like a scrapbook. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> if the topic or theme is work or career, in a diary, you might write appointments, meetings, tasks completed at work. But in a journal, you might write big picture career goals, dreams, aspirations, you know? So that's the kind of, that's their take on it. What do you think about that? I love the idea of keeping a food journal and like, um, what's her name? The the cute lady that's like, I love mess. And she goes to people's houses, condo. So I I love Mm -hmm. the idea of keeping a food journal, but condo style. So like I ate this and how did it make me feel? Did Mm. eating it, um, what did she say? Uh, invoke happiness or whatever (laughs) did it bring you joy did it bring me joy and if it didn't i don't have to eat that anymore brussels sprouts i'm sick of this (laughs) morbid chicken sandwiches i know i know it's tacky but it reminds me of that time when i was single and poor and had one dollar and a mcchicken would always come through and now when i eat it i just feel away it makes me feel oh wow wow so um quarantine has really got to you good thing you're going back to work now wow I might have a little cabin fever. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I love this. I love this. Okay. So, I found another article on journaling.cloud. 
and it lists the top eight reasons to keep a journal or diary. I have a ninth one, but I'll share that later. So the first one was it helps keep your thoughts organized. It makes our thoughts um, apprehensible. You can record daily events, thoughts, feelings, and certain experiences or opinions. Number two, it helps you improve your writing. The best way to practice or improve your writing is to start a journal. The more you write, the more your writing improves, period. Three, set and achieve goals. A journal is a good place to write your goals, ambitions, and aspirations. Writing them down allows you to monitor their progress and feel motivated to continue to focus on your next milestone. Now, I've got this wonderful planner. I've mentioned it before. and it has a full focus section or something. Yep. Full focus. It has a section for that where you can write your goals. It's just such a wonderful little book, but in it, you can write your goals and then it kind of keeps you abreast of them um, on a day to day basis. And then kind of quarterly, you, you get reminded. Why don't we them. journal for a week and check back? Oh, that would be fun. Like yeah, I'll do every that. day. Y'all. Oh, make yep. it a part of your routine. Okay. Yep. Well, that'll be fun. We should try that. We will definitely try that. The fourth idea is to record ideas on the go. You can record all your ideas in one place, anytime, anywhere, wherever an idea comes up, you can revisit these ideas later and look for new links, form conclusions, and even get fresh ideas from the ideas you write on the go. It also helps. Yeah. Is that like uh, travel journaling or? No, I think just putting your ideas down. Um, The fifth one is relieve stress. Writing down your feelings helps you to brain dump your anxieties, frustrations, and any pains you may be experiencing in the journal. And this can help you reduce and release any stress which you've accumulated over time. And it's a good way to free up tension that prevents you from feeling happy. Six, allow yourself to self-reflect. We live in such a fast-paced world. Although we're under this COVID-19 and that slowed people down a bit, we still have taken on, excuse me, more responsibilities. We feel this pressure. And so journaling, journaling is a good way to slow us down. We can take a step back and reflect on ourselves. We can reflect on gratitude, what we did today. And then we can look back over the life of a journal and then think about how we've changed and what we can do to improve ourselves. Now, that is one thing I truly uh, love doing is looking at some of my old journals that I keep, whether they're related to health, um, my bills um, or therapy, and then just kind of see where I'm at. Have I really changed? Have I made any differences? Yeah. So I I think that's really cool. Cool. Yeah. The seventh one is to boost your memory. Our brains are likely to store information that we've written down. And so our brain will make a stronger connection with the information that we learned after we've written something down and it's easier to recall. I love this idea also. Oh, I sound like Oprah today. What's going on? (laughs) Um, Because I've seen myself, I've seen myself in photos and completely, I don't remember being there. I don't remember that moment. I forgot I visited a specific country a couple of years. I forgot I went to Spain. Oh, (laughs) wow. And that's a big deal, though, right? Because you can forget that. So it is great. Yeah, I'm going to start journaling to help me remember it more. Not even so much to reflect back while I'm reading old journals, but to remember it more in that moment. I love that. Yeah, I do. Um, And then 
Uh, the final one I'm going to share right now is Inspire Creativity. It's a great way to unleash cre- creativity. You know, I always say that I'm not a creative. I tell you that all the time. I While tell you're my daughter creating that. stuff. Yep. No, I know. <laughs> um, but we all have the potential to be creative. Most of us simply haven't discovered it yet. And that's where I feel like I am. So journaling is the best place to start exploring our inner creativity. We can write down anything that comes to mind and let our imagination run wild and record it. So I love it. Those are the eight tips. And if you you look out your window and you see somebody watching you and they start (laughs) following you and they break into your house, don't call the police. Write it in your journal. You have taken my ninth one, but I'm going to share it in more detail later. Okay. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. Okay. Sounds good. us to the author and I'm not going to say his name I try why I'm going to try it Alex Michaelides yeah you got it um in some context about the book how about that? I sure can okay so Alex Michaelides was born in 1977 in Cyprus to a Greek father and English mother um I don't have much about his childhood I know he was a big reader as a kid he really loved Agatha Christie books um And that made him also want to become a writer. So at an early age, he had this hunger for the written word. Um, He studied English literature at Cambridge University and got his MA in screenwriting at the American Film Institute in L.A. Uh, His debut novel, which we're covering today, The Silent Patient, it has gotten all the things people are were talking about it. So it was the number one New York Times bestseller of hardcover fiction in its first week and was the number two most sold book for 2019 on Amazon.com. It also won a Goodreads uh, award. I don't know if you get anything for these awards, but it's cool because Goodreads is like a platform for readers and they'll pick like the best. They'll allow their users to choose the best books of the year. So for 2019, it won the Goodreads Choice Award for Best Mystery and Thriller. Um, Michael Edis is an author and screenwriter. So he also wrote a couple movies. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. I hadn't. One is The Devil You Know, starring um, Rosamund Pike, Jennifer Lawrence. And then he also wrote a movie called The Con Is On, starring Uma Thurman. The All Devil stars, You Know I've but, heard of. Okay. You're thinking of The Devil Wears Prada, but we can move on. No, no, and, <laughs> For The Silent Patient, he was inspired by a few books, including Agatha Christie's Five Little Pigs. Um, and he loved about that book that it's about Hercule Poirot is um, investigating a murder that took place 16 years ago. And that is why the murder in this book took place f- six years ago. Yeah, so that's the, the yeah, that's the idea. He wants it to be looking into the past, which really sparked his imagination as a child. So that's it. That's all I got on Alex. That's plenty. We thank you for it. <laughs> um, now, why don't you give us a little break? Excuse me, a little brief synopsis without spoilers before we dive in. Sure. No spoilers. <clears throat> Alicia Berenson is a beautiful, brilliant painter married to one of the best looking fashion photographers in the world. Okay. <laughs> Her life is like it's from a page in a magazine. 
which is why it's so unbelievable that she shoot her husband five times in the face and then refused to ever speak again. What really happened to push her over the edge? It becomes the mission of one psychotherapist, Theo Faber, to find the answer. Will he succeed without losing himself in the process? Hmm. That's that. I feel like that has some spoilers, but okay. (laughs) I'll take it. So what were your first thoughts of the silent patient? So let me just say, when that music came in, well, first off, I started reading it first. Let me say that I started reading it first and I was immediately drawn in just by the first chapter. And then they're relatively short. So that was that was like you never say that. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So those are my first thoughts. But I also ended up getting the audio book because I was pressed for time. And there's this eerie music at the beginning. Can I just say something to Audible right quick? If you're going to have music, do it for everybody. Because when you choose Hello? who you're going to have it for, it's creepy. It creeps. Every- That's obviously the point. But that it's truly creepy. insane. That was creepy. Okay, okay. That was my initial thoughts, my first thoughts. Okay, how about you? What were your first thoughts, Kari? Well, I was like, this one we read, I want to read something black. But listen, I like the (laughs) fact that we are diversifying our schedule. And I chose this book, but I chose it so long ago. And I only chose it because it's on a top list of books for the year. Um, So I seriously chose it to... um, get more interest into our podcast. Okay. <laughs> Not because I was interested in the book. Okay. All right. So that that's sounds it. good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then um, let's take that deep dive. Are you ready? Listen, I am shaking. I have never been so excited to tell you about a book you've already read. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then let us roll. Spoiler alert. If you continue listening, beware. There's going to be a gajillion spoilers. A deep dive into the silent patient. I can do this in 25 minutes. Okay. I'm watching the clock. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) A deep dive into the silent patient by Alex Michaelides. Here we go. Part one, those three little words. We're in London. We're taking a look into Alicia's diary. Alicia, Alicia Berenson sits to write in her diary journal, nothing. She doesn't even know what to call it. Her writing is both an internal dialogue and literally the words, the world she's living in. So this is what I'm trying to say. You must read her diary understanding this is a book. Some of the things she writes, you're like, people would never write that in their diary. But what she's doing, you're going in and out of her diary um, into her mind and back into the pages of her diary. So she may describe something she did yesterday. I didn't take it to mean she's writing that in her diary. She's letting her internal dialogue. She's informing that. Does that make sense? See, and I took it as she wrote that in her diary. And maybe I she mean, did. I know people on Goodreads got a problem with it. We'll move on. Really? Okay, because <laughs> yeah. her husband gave her a diary. I was only left to yeah. think that she wrote it in her diary. So, her fine <laughs> husband, Gabriel, gave her this diary. Gabriel is the love of her life. And he wanted it this diary to inspire her artwork. They are both artists. She's a painter and he's a well-known fashion photographer, as we said earlier. He's concerned about her. She appreciates his concern, but wants to do nothing to worry him. So um, she loves that he loves her so much and he's so involved in her life, but she's also very self-conscious that she doesn't cause him any stress, really because she just loves him so much. Mm. Chapter one. He that has eyes to see and ears to hear may convince himself that no mortal can keep a secret. 
If his lips are silent, he chatters with his fingertips. Betrayal oozes out of him at every pore. That's a mm. quote from Sigmund Freud. Um, someone we don't know is describing the scene when Gabriel was found murdered by his wife on the hottest day of the year, six years ago. He was 44. She was 33. They had been married for seven years. The narrator, who we again don't yet know, believes Alicia is a genius. The night of Gabriel's murder, a neighbor called the police when she heard gunshots next door and the police arrived to find Gabe quickly, by the way. They arrived to find uh, Gabriel bound to a chair with wire, his head Mm -hmm. lulled to one side as if he were merely unconscious. But as they turned to the front of him, they saw he had been shot several times in the face. Blood was everywhere. Too much to be only his. Alicia, too, was standing in the dark room with gaping cuts on her arms. She had attempted suicide. She never spoke again. Immediately after being discharged from the hospital while under house arrest awaiting trial, she began and completed a painting. Remarkably, she finished this work in a few days, going against her usually tortured and time consuming process. Some people took this as an admittance of guilt. Like, how could you go back to the canvas so quickly after your husband died? Uh, Take it as you will right now. But that Mm. self-portrait she created is titled Alcestis. And that's from uh, Greek uh, mythology. We'll get into that later. Moving on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Our narrator, who we don't yet really know, is a forensic uh, forensic psychotherapist. He was instantly captivated by Alicia's story. Her painting was controversially uh, featured in an art gallery gallery with lines that wrapped around the block while the trial is going on or just before the trial. (laughs) So infamy has its fame. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, this Alcestis, uh, the narrator, was among one of the many in line to view this painting. He looked into the painting for the answer to the questions surrounding the uh, case, but found staring back to, back at him only more questions. The painter in the painting, because it's self-portrait, holds a brush wet with red paint or blood, but her canvas is blank. Gashes are viewable on her arms like those that were found at the murder scene on her arms. During the trial, a prominent therapist, Diomedes, from The Grove, The Grove is a facility we'll get into later, convinces the court to admit Alicia into his facility's care. If she was faking, it had worked, seemingly. But she still wasn't speaking. She never spoke. And the media eventually lost interest. Our narrator applied for a position at The Grove. His name, we now find, is Theo Faber. He's 42. And in his interview, he stated he became a psychotherapist because he wanted to help people. This was mostly a lie. He became a psychotherapist because since childhood, he's been really messed up. His father likely suffered from an undiagnosed mental disorder, and he would chase Faber and his mother around the house and beat Faber senseless. When he asked his mother, you know what? Why daddy don't like me? She said, how do I know? Your father's nuts. (laughs) And I'm going to say oh, nuts boy. instead of mad. Mad is said a lot in this book because they're in London. So. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So Faber uh, recalls the therapist, psychotherapist recalls one day, a happy moment from his childhood when his father was on, away on business. Him and his mother built a snowman and they were just playing in the snow with the snowman. And the snow reminded Faber of happiness because as soon as you have it, it's melted away. In college. So he really thought all I need to do is get away from this house and I'll have the happiness I need. But he found that not to be true. His father's voice followed him. And in college, he attempted suicide, but his body rejected the overdose. He sought the help of Ruth. 
In their therapy sessions, Ruth is obviously his psychiatrist. He realized he wasn't processing feelings. He would tell her everything that's happened to him, everything from his childhood. And he would just say it in a very matter of fact way. He would then look up and see tears in her eyes. Um, He'd be talking about his life and see her crying. He explains therapy as giving your feelings to someone else else who eats them for you. That person then feeds your own feelings back to you in a way that you can handle. And he thought, this is what I want to do. What do you think about that explanation for therapy? I liked it. I I was I, I appreciated it very much. It reminded me of a short story in that book, When a Man Falls from the Sky. Where they're eating pain from the outbreak. So he decides, I want to be a psychotherapist. And his psychiatrist is like, uh, this ain't the work of the lighthearted. <laughs> and she was right. right. Like his first day on the job, a man defecated in front of him. And then he goes, and you just get used to it. And I understand that. This just yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, something you gotta do for the for the work that you love. His colleagues warned him against applying at the Grove and working with Diomedes. Diomedes is like ideologist he kind of runs the grove or the the system there and so the methods of uh, diometries seems to be very uh we want to help people on an individual basis and that just ain't making the money so the facility might be closed soon but theo felt this theo faber felt this deep need to help alicia so he only applied to help alicia um he arrives for his first day at the grove while everyone's in community and it's here that the patients and the doctors meet together regularly i think once per week so he's attending solely secretly to find alicia so he's looking around the room and is shocked to find her eyes are staring back at him she he's looking directly at her she just looks so much different now she's maybe like a little uh more She's not glamorous and she's doped up. Yeah. She's heavily medicated, heavily medicated. He said she was slumped over and drooling and she just, yeah. And we later find she's on enough medication to sedate a horse. Mm. This once enviable beauty is doped up drooling and her eyes are miles away. He's determined to make her his patient. He sees Christian West. Christian West and um, Theo were they knew each other in university. They didn't really get along. So he's like, great. Christian West is here. I hate this guy. Um, Alicia is in Christian West's charge. So he's the doctor really over whatever um, um, treatments Alicia goes through. Yep. He, so Theo meets with Diomedes and two things become clear. First, Diomedes is brilliant. He's simultaneously in his eyes, a musician, a priest and a doctor. <laughs> the Grove, second, is in danger of being shut down. That is true. Um, just as Theo was warned by his colleagues. And the problem is that there are too many staff, not enough patients. The philosophy here is not economical. It's really patient first. And the entire place could be closed at any moment by the higher powers. Theo convinces Diomedes to have to speak to Christian West and have Alicia's dose is lowered and Theo arranges to meet Alicia regularly through Diomedes. Theo muses over the tortured soulness of Alicia. He's like really kind of romanticizing her um, psychological situation. Her mother died in a car accident when she was a child riding in the same car with her mother, no less. So she must have never been loved. He assumes not truly loved um, because she lost her mother so early. Their first meeting when she's still doped up to oblivion, they both just sit in silence and he allows her to be quiet and he remains quiet. In a future meeting, 
after her dose is reduced, she attacks him viciously. And I thought this was explained really well. She jumped on him and bashes his head repeatedly into the floor. Well, I'm sorry. The attack was caused after he um, spoke from the heart saying, I want to help you. I want to help you see Alicia, he told her. And that's yeah. when she jumped on him, mm-hmm. gave him the business. Gave him Ali- the business. Bust his head. Yeah. And so he found his way to this like emergency button and was rescued by staff. Prior to this, we learned Theo has been calling and attempting to speak with people who knew Alicia. So her family, her brother-in-law, for example, he's been calling and not really telling the facility what he's doing. So he's acting like an investigator, um, even though he's the psychotherapist. Yeah. He immediately took on that investigator role. Yeah. Because he had a mission, though. But he had a mission. He wanted to he wanted to get this woman to speak and he was determined to do it. Right. Right. Um, Side note, he grabs a quick drink with Yuri. Yuri is one of the guards at the facility and the most popular guard there. Um, Over a beer, Yuri is telling him how he once fell in love with a woman that wasn't his wife. She was a neighbor. He was so in love with her that he sometimes follow her without her knowing or stare at her outside of her home. And the entire situation bugs Theo out, makes him uncomfortable. (laughs) And then Yuri's like, by the way, what's your wife's name? <laughs> Theo's like, I almost don't want to tell you. Uh, but her name is Kathy. Okay, bye. Yeah. Then we meet nothing. the wife. Uh-huh. <laughs> Kathy, Theo's wife. She's an actress born stateside in Manhattan, holding dual citizenship because of her English mother. She's telling her fellow actresses how her and Theo met. And oh my goodness, you girls, they were both dating other people. <laughs> <laughs> when they saw each other one night, ironically introduced by their partners at the time, Kathy broke up with her boyfriend on the spot and Theo sent his girlfriend away alone. He returned home with Kathy and months later they were meeting his parents for lunch. His mom was frail, almost shaking, and his father was the same. Um, the latter, his father, kept his cold eyes on Kathy during the entire afternoon before retreating into his study never to return. Theo's mother hugged him too tight and too long when they left. Theo wondered what Kathy would be thinking about all this. Kathy surprised him. She threw her arms around Theo and told him, I understand it all. I love you so much more now. She didn't explain further and she didn't need to. They were married in April. She was and is everything to him. Part two, a house divided. We return to the pages of Alicia's diary um, and she recalls walking along a path and seeing a bird in the bushes. Its wings seemed to be broken. So she picked the bird up and found its insides were full of maggots, fat, white, squirming maggots. In another (laughs) entry, (laughs) she's describing her painting of Jesus. Subconsciously, she's made him resemble her husband. She asked Gabriel to model for the painting. And he's like, oh, I mean, Jesus. (laughs) And she's like, well, I don't see you as the son of God. But truly, she does see him as like her savior in a lot of ways. Yeah, that was really interesting, though. Yeah. So he's appalled, but agrees reluctantly. And Gabriel, again, is her whole world. I'd never be a painter if it weren't for him. If he hadn't needled and encouraged and bullied me, I'd never have kept going during those first few dead years after college when I was painting walls with Jean Felix. Before I met Gabriel, I'd lost my way. Somehow, I'd lost myself. I don't miss those draggy partiers who passed for friends during my twenties. I only ever saw them at night. They vanished at dawn, like vampires fleeing the light. When I met Gabriel, they faded away into nothing and I didn't even notice. I didn't need them anymore. I didn't need anyone now that I had him. He'd save me. Like Jesus, 
Maybe that's what the painting is about. Gabriel is my whole world and has been since the day we met. I love him no matter what he does or what happens, no matter how much he upsets me, no matter how untidy or messy he is, how thoughtless, how selfish. I'll take him just as he is until death death do his part. Now her mother, was her mother crazy? Is that why, she thinks, is that why her mother strapped her daughter, Alicia, to the mm-hmm. seat before driving toward a brick wall? Was she trying to kill Alicia instead? Right. Is Alicia going to go mad like her mother, go crazy? And I keep saying Alicia and Alicia. Come on, y'all. Work with me. I think so, it's Alicia. It's Alicia, for okay. sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it. Alicia just feels like, I'm going to call her Alicia. I'm going to make the creative choice. <laughs> Get into it. Okay, Alex, don't be mad. Theo's <laughs> wife isn't home. So back to Theo out of um out of the diary, back to Theo's life in his mind. Theo's wife isn't home, so he's going to sneak and do something bad that she doesn't want him to do. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to smoke marijuana. He used to have a habit in college. It was the one thing that cradled him. But he stopped once Kathy replaced his need for comfort and serenity. So he replaced weed with Kathy. But then she dragged him to a party one day and walked away. (laughs) And someone offered him weed. And there you go. He was back to smoking. He felt abandoned. And she had replaced that. And that was it. For real. They was at a party. He didn't want to be at. She walked away and someone was like, hey, you want to smoke? And then he was back smoking every day. He was abandoned. Okay. Well, you're really getting to the point. But just (laughs) on the surface. Come on. Um, What a swap. So, yeah. Um, (laughs) While high, he notices her laptop is open and her emails are glaring at him. He opens them. They tell a story he wished he never read. She's cheating on him. Mm, and mm. seems to have been doing so for a while. <sighs> Remember Alicia tried to kill um, Theo? Well, he's still meeting with her at the hospital because he he's really obsessed. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So his overseers feel as if he um, feel that if he's successful in getting her to speak, it may save the entire facility. It will make clear to the higher powers that the Groves ideologies work. And that it's worth keeping the whole thing open. So Theo tries, Theo Faber tries to provoke Alicia by um, talking to her about how he feels about his wife. He tells Alicia, I love her, but sometimes I hate her. And he's really like blatantly trying to get something out of Alicia. Alicia stands up, knocks on the door and walks out. <laughs> and and what is interesting is this, this is not um, standard um, therapist practice. He's going outside the lines here. There are a few things in this book that don't really represent um, psychotherapy properly. Mm-hmm. And I know that people on Goodreads, some have an issue with that. Listen, this is a fictional book. I get it. But, but you oh, know, take it with so a grain surprising. of salt. This is yeah, so surprising. You're like, accepting this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, you're right. Mm. <laughs> anyway, double standard. So um, we find Theo wandering aimlessly through the street after work. He's miserable. Subconsciously, he's led his body to the doorstep of his old psychiatrist, Ruth. She's 80 years old now, but she's sharp with it. 
She lets him in and he divulges to her everything that's going on. And she helps him make the connection between Kathy and his father, two damaged people incapable of expressing love healthily. So Kathy is she is, equates love with fireworks and um excitement when truly love on a daily basis is boring to those on the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. So as soon as Kathy gets bored, she looks for something else to excite her, which happens to be um, this adulterous affair. And it's similar to his father who went, who likely had a mental illness undiagnosed and which is take out all of his internal frustrations on his family. Listen, Ruth urges Theo to leave Kathy, and I don't think this is something a psychiatrist would ever do. Well, but then listen, don't forget, she said, you're coming to my house as a friend, not as my psychiatrist. Oh, is that right? That's okay. what she then said. That's so definitely that was something a friend, friend would do. Saying, you need okay. to leave that man. I mean, or woman, or woman in this yeah. case. Yeah, and you're right. Woman. Okay, Mm -hmm. I didn't get that part. That makes sense then. So she urges him. She goes, at this point, I don't think you could go back to Kathy. Right. Well, he proved her wrong because (laughs) he goes back to Kathy. We went to bed in silence. I lay in the dark next to her. I lay awake for hours, feeling the heat from her body, staring at her while she slept. Why didn't you come to me? I wanted to say, why didn't you talk to me? I was your best friend. If you had just... One word. We could have worked through it. Why didn't you talk to me? I'm here. I'm right here. I wanted to reach out and pull her close. I wanted to hold her, but I couldn't. Kathy had gone. The person I loved so much had disappeared forever, leaving the stranger in her place. A sob rose in the back of my throat. Finally, the tears came, streaming down my cheeks. Silently, in the darkness, I wept. He wakes up the next morning determined not to end their relationship. It would be cutting off a limb to him. He acts like uh, he never knew about the affair and he's going to stay with Kathy. Maybe one day she'll tell him the truth. Can you imagine? Okay, go ahead. I just had to I'll answer. No, I cannot. (laughs) So Theo speaks with um, one of the more violent patients, Elif. And because Elif once got into a scuffle with Alicia after whispering something in her ears. So Theo's like, what was it? What you say? Alicia is. Elif is a thug. (laughs) Hey, I don't like that word. Listen, (laughs) sometimes Alicia feels like she got to let you know who she is. So she'll put the hands on you if you ask for the hands. She is running that joint. She is running that joint, okay? (laughs) She is bullying other people in there. Even dumped up to the level of a thoroughbred. (laughs) I mean, she breaking poker sticks. She is really causing havoc. Aw, she ain't no punk. So Theo (laughs) learns that Elif taunted Alicia asking if her husband, her bloke, deserved it. And that's when Alicia gave Elif the business. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Theo arranges for a clandestine meeting with Max Berenson, Gabriel's brother. So this used to be Alicia's brother-in-law. Speaking with Max, Theo learns four things. First, Max was adopted because the first thing you're in Theo's mind when he meets Max is, oh, you ugly. <laughs> true, and true. Gabriel was like, beautiful for beautiful sake. So what's up? And then Max notices him looking at the pictures like, oh, yes, I'm adopted. <laughs> His parents had Gabriel after adopting Max. And that does happen sometimes yep. uh, by adopting a child and alleviating some stress. Couples naturally have a child of their another child of their own. Two, Max was deeply devoted to his brother and hated the wicked hole that Alicia had on Gabriel. Also, he just plain hated Alicia. Mm. Mm. Three, Alicia attempted suicide after her father died. What? 
They, as in Max and Gabriel, arrange for Alicia to be treated secretly by a doctor off the record. Number four, Max married his receptionist last year and the receptionist, Tanya, seems to be afraid of Max. So Max tells Theo Faber that if he wants gossip, go to John Felix Martin. Don't don't come to me. And Theo's like, gossip? I don't want gossip. And he makes a mental note to talk to John Felix Martin for the gossip. Because <laughs> he want that TT. He want that right. tea. So John Felix is Alicia's gallerist. So that line wrapped around the block to see the painting Alicia made, that was in John Felix's gallery. They were friends. Theo says, I'm not interested in gossip. Makes the mental note. Mm-hmm. When he's leaving, Max's wife, the receptionist, tells Theo, if you really want information, talk to Alicia's cousin about the night after the accident. Mm. We're back in the pages of Alicia's diary. Um, We learn that she's always told people she was too absorbed in her art for children. But truthfully, she's afraid to have children because she doesn't want she doesn't know if her mental state will be like her mom, that of her mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Max is joining them. one evening for dinner joining this is the past of course because it's alicia's diary but max is joining gabriel and alicia for dinner and alicia's like uh i hate my brother-in-law but we don't know why hate him then she writes down or discloses internally a conversation she had with max privately that evening max forced a kiss onto her and she was going to tell gabriel she told max that she was going to tell gabriel and he grabbed her and kissed her again um, when Gabriel wasn't looking, of course, and she is just disgusted by him. She bites down on his tongue so hard that her mouth fills with his blood. Mm. Later, Gabriel says he noticed that Alicia was distant all evening. Come on, love. Give it a try with my brother. I really love him. And she's like, sure, because she doesn't want to tell. She doesn't want to communicate any pain or anything like that with her husband because she just loves him so much. And she never wants Gabriel to worry. Mm-hmm. Even later. Gabriel asks her if they can start having children. And excitedly, she says, yes. That was And she means it. (laughs) Theo calls Max again. (laughs) Theo calls Max again. Okay. Asking more questions. And Max this time is like, look, I met with you once out of kindness. I ain't going to keep doing this with you. And so Diomedes calls Theo into his office and tells him Max has filed a complaint. And you didn't even tell me you was talking to Max. Also, don't let me hear you've been making any more visits to Alicia's relations to her family. (laughs) Understood? And Theo's like, you have my word. The next day he visits Alicia's cousin and I... Theo gonna do what he wants. He gonna do what he wants. That was so plain. I thought he went the same day. You, Woo! you have my word. He didn't even say, oh, "Okay, I understand." Yeah, right, he right. said, "You have my word." The next went day, he went to her cousin about his business. In a dark cat urine soaked home, Ugh. covered in ivy, Alicia's cousin Paul and her morbidly obese aunt Lydia live. Lydia is unhinged. She took in Alicia after her mother died. Alicia really and her father after Alicia's mother died and is furious because Alicia paid her back by painting her an unflattering photo of her. (laughs) (laughs) It is really a cruel photo and comical a little bit. Yeah. So uh, Lydia reminds Theo of his own father and he hates her instantly. He learns that Alicia's father hanged himself in the attic of this house. Paul, the cousin, has been in the house with his mom his entire life. He he seems to have never really developed into a man because of it. He's not even completely a person. He seems kind, but not fully formed. And the entire experience makes Theo deeply depressed. So Theo lives in London. This family lives in Cambridge. Theo is hopping on a train to go see them and on the 
train ride home. He's like just thinking how that could have really been him, Mm -hmm. uh, Paul. Then Theo visits John Felix Martin for the gossip. He and Alicia, John (laughs) Felix and Alicia, were old friends and fellow painters. When John Felix realized he wasn't the best artist, he opened a gallery and proudly displayed Alicia's works. He was originally from Paris and a bit of a Casanova, a narcissist type. Um, Felix, John Felix says Gabriel hated him. And perhaps he was jealous of the close relationship he shared with Alicia and her being her best friend and confidant. In his storage room, John Felix keeps Alicia's paintings and tools for her, he says. Theo asks to see the painting of the aunt. And when he does, he laughs. It's indeed cruel. (laughs) And then he asks to see again the Alcestis, that painting that she made just before the trial in just a few days. Uh For the first time, he notices in the painting a dish of apples filled with maggots, white blobs creeping in and around the fruit. Definitely a theme. Yeah. So John Felix seems obsessed with Alicia's works. Um, So he convinces Theo to find a way to allow Alicia to paint. I'm sorry if I keep going Alicia and then Alicia. Bear with me. Um, So something about, again, something about John Felix rubs Theo the wrong way. He hates him, but he takes his advice. He will try to find a way for Alicia to paint while at the Grove. Um, From John Felix, Theo learns that although Alicia attempted suicide after her father's uh, after her father's suicide, it wasn't because she loved her dad. She hated her father. So there's some complicated nuance there in her emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, Theo buys a copy of the Greek tragedy Alcestis, um, whose title um, Alicia placed on her work in hopes of understanding something about Alicia. This is Alcestis. Alcestis married a man who the fates um, wanted to kill. Unless he found someone else who would die in his place. um, This man asked his parents, will you die for me? And the parents were like, yeah, we won't. (laughs) And then he asked some friends and they was like, no, because you still owe me like 20 bucks from last week. (laughs) But then his wife, (laughs) Alcestis, gave her life for her husband when no one else would. And he Mm. readily accepted. (laughs) She goes, I'll I'll die for him. And he was like, great. So, <laughs> wow. Um, in a Dios ex machina, she is spared death and returned to her husband, but chooses never to speak again. What does this mean? Thea thought. Back to Alicia's diary. Still in the pages of her diary, John Felix popped in unannounced at her home, the poppet. She recognized his unhealthy obsession with her and how he liked to put down Gabriel, making her only more devoted to her husband. She told uh, Gabriel she no longer wanted. I'm sorry. She told John Felix she no longer wanted her art displayed in his gallery. He was furious and hurt. Um, She agreed to go to one last event with him, a play before cutting ties with him as a friend. And she admits she's a little afraid of him. Back at the Grove, one of the psychiatrists at the Grove wants Theo, warns Theo about falling in love with Alicia and Theo shrugs it off, but is uncertain himself. He arranges for Alicia to have a private art studio in the Grove. And when he asks her if this is something she'd want, she smiles. That's encouraging. Yes. As is her way, she paints in a photorealist style. She paints the grove in flames and her in Theo's arms. He's carrying her, but it's impossible to know if he's throwing her into the flames or rescuing her. 
<laughs> Theo meets with a self-absorbed Barbie, the neighbor that called the police when she heard gunshots <laughs> the night Gabriel was murdered. Barbie is a dumb lush who inherited her home from her ex-husband. He got a younger, blonder version of her and she got the house. So they both won, she says. Full disclosure, Alicia hated Barbie. Uh, for obvious reasons. But Barbie, <laughs> so enamored of herself, never noticed. So one day she says she caught Alicia at home off guard, rattled. And so Alicia confided in Barbie. Alicia felt that there was a strange man in the neighborhood hanging out on the street and watching her through the windows. Alicia was afraid of this man. She sent Barbie a photo. Barbie shows the photo to Theo. At first, all Theo sees is a tree, but then behind the tree was this grayish blob. It could have been anything from a lamppost to a large dog. She asked me if I'd noticed anyone hanging around in the neighborhood. She'd seen a man on the street watching her. Barbie hesitated. I'll show you. She texted this to me. She thrust the phone at my face. I stared at it. It took me a second to make sense of what I was seeing. A blurred photograph of a tree. What is it? What does it look like? A tree? Behind the tree. Behind the tree was a gray blob. It could have been anything from a lamppost to a large dog. It's a man. You can see his outline quite distinctly. I wasn't convinced, but didn't argue. I didn't want Barbie to get distracted. Keep going. That's it. But what happened? Barbie shrugged. Nothing. I told Alicia to tell the cops, and that was when I found out she hadn't even told her husband about it. She hadn't told Gabriel. Why not? I don't know. I got the feeling he wasn't all that sympathetic a person. Anyway... I insisted she tell the police. I mean, what about me? What about my safety? A prowler's outside, and I'm a woman living alone, you know? I want to feel safe when I go to bed at night. Did Alicia follow your advice? Barbie shook her head. No, she did not. A few days later, she told me she talked it over with her husband and decided she wasn't imagining it all. She told me to forget it and asked me not to mention it to Gabriel if I saw him. I don't know. The whole thing stank to me. And she asked me to delete the photo. I didn't. I showed it to the police when she was arrested, but they weren't interested. They had already made up their minds, but I'm positive there's more to it. Can I tell you? She lowered her voice to a dramatic whisper. Alicia was scared. Alicia had another violent episode. This time she stabbed another patient in the eye with her paintbrush. It's Elif, if you remember, who had already got them hands. So she shouldn't have tested Alicia again, but she did. Because she was a bully. (laughs) Yeah, Elif was a bully. Mm -hmm. The facility decides to end her sessions with Theo. And I mean, clearly Alicia is too unstable in their opinion. Right. Theo continues meeting with Alicia discreetly, unofficially. Because he (laughs) does what he wants. (laughs) Yeah surprisingly she extends a shaking hand to him in one of these sessions and in it is her diary she's giving it to him to read now before we close on part two there's this obsessed a theme of obsession while all of this is happening um while he's visiting the aunt the narcissist parisian john felix um the neighbor barbie theo is being consumed with suspicion over his cheating wife where is she going? He's always thinking, who is she texting? Why is she turning her laptop away from me while she's typing? What has she lied about? Did she ever love him? He's followed her at least once, not believing she was meeting a, a friend, Nicole. But when Nicole emerged on the street and hugged his wife, he realized she was telling him the truth in that moment. And this time, this time she was telling the truth. He was kind of disappointed. He wants to catch this guy she's been sneaking around with. Part three, our final part. Nothing could be further from the lie. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mustn't put strangeness where, where there's nothing. I think that is the danger of keeping a diary. You exaggerate everything. You are on the lookout and you continually stretch the truth. Hmm. This is from a French philosopher, Jean-Paul Sartre. I don't know how to say his name. Back to the diary again. Alicia's diary. She was standing in the kitchen and saw someone staring at her at her house through the window from across the street. She was startled, but thought maybe he was canvassing the neighborhood planning to buy a house himself. She made up a lot of excuses for why that person might be there. Staring at her mm -hmm. through her own windows. Yeah. Um, she does meet John Felix for this play. It's the last event they're going to go to together as friends before she breaks ties with him forever. He was trying to um, really invoke in her these feelings of nostalgia, reminding her of their history and how close they are. It didn't work. But she's glad she went because the play they saw was Alcestis. And um, this play, there's something in it she really needs to think about. As they're parting, John Felix warns her, you, you're very trusting. Don't trust the people around you. And she goes, excuse me, what do you mean? And he just turns around and walks away. She's calling out to him like, hey, what are you talking about? He keeps walking. Back at the house, there's no doubt a man is watching her through the windows. She tells her husband. And at first, Gabriel takes it seriously. Is it John Felix? He asks, where did the man go? Um, Alicia says that the man just kind of vanished. And now Gabriel is convinced that Alicia is hallucinating. This makes Alicia so angry that she has to stop writing in her diary that day. She goes for a walk and the man, there's a man watching her. She feels this. She can feel somebody following her. John Felix, is that you? She screams out. Stop following me. Then she quickly takes a photo. She runs home, looks out the window. The man, he was still there watching her. Someone called her name, Alicia or Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> it's Barbie. Oh, I hate this woman. Oh, I'm going to hurry. The horrible woman from next door. She confides in Barbie out of desperation and Barbie urges her to tell her husband, not knowing that she already has. Um, the man is outside of the house. She wakes her husband. He goes to the window. No one's there. Gabriel is now angry. He goes sleep, sleep in the spare room. He tells her she needs to see a psychiatrist. He implies he can't stay in the marriage if she doesn't meet him halfway. We're going back to the doctor, Dr. West. Mm -hmm. So he makes an appointment off the record with Dr. West. Unwillingly, she goes see, to see Dr. West and speaks to him. She hates this doctor. He has no bedside manner. He's cold. He's got no kindness. This is the same doctor she was seeing secretly after her father died at her husband's urging. West, too, doesn't believe the man exists that um, Alicia keeps seeing. He prescribes medication that Gabriel makes Alicia take, but she spits out the pills as soon as uh, Gabriel's not looking. The last time she says Dr. West gave her pills, um, he almost made her lose her mind by keeping her so sedated. She won't do that again. This is what he does. The thought comes to her that whoever the man is following her, he's evil. Something John Felix isn't. But Max is. They go to dinner with Max, Gabriel and Alicia. And he's Max has brought his receptionist, who he's apparently dating, Tanya. And he's like touchy feely with her all night while staring in Alicia's face. It's disgusting. Yeah. So he gets up to go to the bathroom. And remember, Alicia, you know, she'll bring you to business. You rub her the wrong way. So he get, uh, Max gets up to the, go to the bathroom. And so Alicia gets up like, you know, what? I got to go to the bathroom, too. And she slaps the mess out of Max. Now. Tanya sees this and runs out. And before Max goes to chase her, he tells her, listen, you crazy nut. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not following you. Alicia hates Max, but she believes him. She writes in her journal that she hears a noise outside. Then the noise is inside. Oh, my goodness. He's in the house. Back to Theo and the Grove. 
Theo is obsessed with finding who this Dr. West is. It can't be the same man, he thinks. He confronts his college colleague, Christian West. Remember Christian, you guys? Theo and him didn't get along in university. West's face becomes stone. He admits everything. Why did he never step forward? He was treating Alicia as a favor to Gabriel, and he was doing it off record to save their privacy. He never declared their fees. Mm. for tax purposes that's why he doesn't come forward also he never believed her stories about being watched pure fantasy he believes so um when he started working for the grove he just didn't tell nobody nothing and kept doping her up like he always had done theo returns to the problems in his home life namely his cheating wife his wife uh, makes some excuse to go for a walk and he offers to join her but she says she's going to rehearse her line so would rather do that alone secretly he follows her and finally sees the man the man who resembles him in stature and superficial aesthetic for a moment he has this out-of-body experience where he feels like he's watching himself and his wife walk Ooh. through the park oh my goodness he follows Kathy um, to like this forest area with her lover and then into the woods and he hears sounds that make it clear what they're doing he's broken Theo imagines killing his wife's lover. He lurches off and goes nowhere like a madman just walking through the streets. Uh, Remember Tanya told Theo to talk to Alicia's cousin, Paul? Yep. So Theo returns to Cambridge to that cat urine soaked house. And then Paul takes Theo to the roof where Paul and Alicia used to sit to hide as children. It was there that her father killed her, he says. It was here they went after the car accident that killed her mother and they secretly looked down on Alicia's father and Paul's mom in the garden. And that's when it happened. Alicia's father screamed, why did she have to die? Why did it have to be her? Why didn't Alicia die instead? Mm. Alicia heard this and told her cousin, he killed me. Dad just killed me. Theo returns to the hospital and tells Alicia what he's learned from Paul about her dad and about that day. He also tells her he can't keep breaking the rules to arrange for their session. So this is the last time we're going to meet. And then just like that, she speaks. What? She says, what What do I want? (laughs) What do I want? Theo says, I want you to talk to me. She replies, okay. The staff members are ecstatic and they're like, Theo, good old boy. You ignore everything we tell you. And look what happened. Great. (laughs) Their session continues. And Alicia describes Theo um, to Theo the day her husband was murdered. The man, she says, who had been following her was suddenly standing in her studio. He was wearing a black mask and his eyes were gaping black holes. He had a knife and later he was holding a gun. When her husband arrived home, everything happened so quickly. The man tied Gabriel to a chair and shot him six times in the face. He then left without saying a word. Theo doesn't believe any of this. (laughs) So Theo goes back home and starts following his wife and her lover. That's just what he does all day now these days. Oh, and Uh, they're groping each other like teenagers. And when they part, Theo follows not his wife, but the man. He follows the man back to his own home, to uh, the man's home. He stands outside as the man walks inside. Then Theo sees the man's companion, perhaps his wife. Theo realizes he can't kill the man. He must think of something more clever. Part four, the finale. Mm. (laughs) Theo is upset because he doesn't feel like Alicia is being honest with him about that night her husband was murdered. He wants to have it out with her. But when he arrives to the Grove, the hospital, he learned or the facility, he learns Alicia attempted suicide by swallowing pills. The facility Uh-oh. had to force her into a coma. And Theo sees a pinprick in Alicia's wrist as she's knocked out. 
He thinks this wasn't suicide. It was homicide. He is just on the case. He is on the case. Theo tells the director that Christian West has been lying to everyone from the beginning. Christian West had Dr. Christian West had treated Alicia privately before Gabriel's murder, and he never disclosed this information to the Grove. Alicia is under his care and he's abused his power. Perhaps he wanted to keep her quiet. (laughs) So, yeah, I think he's arrested. Mm hmm. Mm. Yeah, so back to Theo following his wife, Kathy. You know, Kathy. She in them streets. So he walked back, not to home, but to Kathy's lover's house. He feels he needs to warn the lover's wife or partner, whoever this woman is. She believed this man loved her as he believed his wife loved him. They're both wrong. She was innocent as Theo was once innocent. He has to warn her. Theo walks up to the gate of the home. He puts a mask over his head and puts out a pair of gloves. Wait, what? I'm on the edge of my seat. Things are getting weird, Theo. The woman, that man's wife, picks up a paintbrush and approaches a canvas. Then she sees him, Theo. It was his knife that she saw first. For the oh. first time, Theo comes face to face with Elisa Barrington. <laughs> stop it! Stop it! Throw the book across the room! Shut up! <laughs> what happened? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> back in Alicia's diary, we're going back into her book. There was something she recognized about Theo immediately, she says, when she saw him in the facility in the grove. I want to help you see clearly, he said, just as the man had said the night her husband was murdered. The first time she saw Theo and recognized him, she tried to rip his eyes out. She attacked him. Remember? Rip his eyes out. Mm But Thea still didn't notice that she recognized him when she lied to him, though, about the day of Gabriel's death. He looked at her with cold fear. He knew that she knew when she was alone. They knew that they knew (laughs) that he knew that she knew that they knew each other. Exactly. So when she was alone, Theo picked up her arm. She didn't even fight him and injected her with a needle before she succumbed. She wrote out the truth in her diary. And this is the truth. That night, Theo broke into the house and tied me up. And when Gabriel came home, Theo knocked him out. At first I thought he'd killed him, but then I saw Gabriel was breathing. Theo pulled him up and tied him to the chair. He moved it so Gabriel and I were sitting back to back and I couldn't see his face. Please... I said, please don't hurt him. I'm begging you. I'll do anything, anything you want. Theo laughed. I'd come to hate his laugh so much. It was cold, empty, heartless. Hurt him. He shook his head. I'm going to kill him. He meant it. I felt such terror. I lost control of my tears. I wept and pleaded. I'll do anything you want, anything. Please, please let him live. He deserves to live. He's the kindest and the best of men. And I love him. I love him so much. Tell me, Alicia. Tell me about your love for him. Tell me, do you think he loves you? 
He loves me, I said. I heard the clock ticking in the background. There seemed to be an age before he replied. We'll see, he said. His black eyes stared at me for a second and I felt consumed by darkness. I was in the presence of a creature that wasn't even human. He was evil. He walked around the chair and faced Gabriel. I turned my head as far as I could, but I couldn't see them. There was a horrible dull thud. I flinched as I heard him strike Gabriel across the face. He hit him again and again until Gabriel started spluttering and woke up. Hello, Gabriel, he said. Who are you? I'm a married man, so I know what it's like to love someone. And I know what it's like to be let down. What? What are you talking about? Only cowards betray the people who love them. Are you a coward, Gabriel? I was going to kill you, but Alicia pleaded for your life. So instead, I'm going to give you a choice. Either you die or Alicia does. You decide. The way he spoke was so cool and calm and in control. No emotion. Gabriel didn't reply for a second. He sounded out of breath, like he'd been punched. No. Yes. Alicia dies or you die. Your choice, Gabriel. Let's find out how much you love her. Would you die for her? You have 10 seconds to decide. 10, nine. Don't believe him, I said. He, he's going to kill us both. I love you. Eight, seven. I know you love me, Gabriel. Six, five. You love me. Four, three. Gabriel, say you love me. Two, and then Gabriel spoke. I didn't recognize his voice at first, such a tiny voice so far away, a little boy's voice, a small child with the power of life and death at his fingertips. I, I don't want to die, he said. Then there was silence. This is also number nine, folks. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> why you should have a diary? <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm. So, Theo then walked around to Alicia and fired the gun into the air. Theo smiled, put his finger to his lips, telling her, Alicia, to be quiet. Gabriel began to cry her name. Alicia, what have you done to my Alicia? Theo untied Alicia, dropped the gun to the floor, and walked out of the house. Alicia remained silent, listening to her cowardly husband cry out her name. How could she speak, she thought. The dead don't talk. She then picked up the gun and walked around to Gabriel. He was so relieved to see her. Oh my goodness, you're up. Before he could finish his sentence. In his eyes, she saw her own eyes. It was like they had switched oh places goodness. somehow. That's the truth, she says. She didn't kill Gabriel. He killed her. All she did was pull the trigger. Dang. Final chapter. Theo returns to the house he grew up in, where he now lives with his wife, Kathy. Um, she's distant these days. <laughs> she watches a lot of television. She gains some weight, like all of us. Ain't even no quarantine. She doesn't speak much. Theo did all of this to keep Kathy, and ironically, he lost her anyway. An inspector shows up to the house. He was in the neighborhood, the inspector. He found something in one of Alicia's paintings, the one of the grove on fire. Now, Theo hated this painting. Remember, he arranged for Alicia to have her own studio and what she painted was the facility on fire and her in Theo's right. arms. Mm -hmm. He hated yeah. it so much, he didn't really look at it a lot. Well, it was there that she hid the this confession and this final part of her diary that he never read. So... The diary, these pages detail the final days before she fell into the coma and the jig is up. 
While the inspector is talking to Theo, Theo reaches his hand out of the window and catches a snowflake. The end. Let's take a break. Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) Does quarantine stink? It doesn't have to. Introducing Lidates, the new luxury candle line by the Lit Society podcast. Each aromatic experience is inspired by literature. From The Great Gatsby to Sula by Toni Morrison, each candle instantly transports you into the setting that inspired its creation. Discover Lidates today by visiting L-O-V-E-L-I-T-O-T-E-S. That's lovelidates.com. Again, lovelidates.com. L-O-V-E-L-I-T-O-T-E-S dot com. Or visit Love Lidates on Instagram and Facebook. Lidates, they're not your average fragrances. And we're back. Woo, child. Oh my God, oh my God. Okay, go, go. Alexis, what were your final thoughts of The Silent Patient? And would you recommend this book? What's your verdict? Oh. My goodness, this book is too much. It had me on the edge of my seat. And when I read that part where he said, this is the first time I saw Me too! I was like, what? What? I I was literally reacting in my apartment like, what is this happening? (laughs) Michaelides, you got us. You got us, dog. Good for you. Oh my goodness. I mean, he had me the whole time. I was like, she surely didn't kill her husband. So who, she did, who were you him. thinking? Did you believe that there was a man following her? Yeah, initially I did. But then when they told the story, like he told it to Dr. Um, West. Um, no, Diomedes. Oh, Diomedes. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When he told it to him, I was like, yeah, yeah. You know what? I don't believe that story. It's the way she told it. Because <laughs> you see, you respect it. Diomedes. He's a good looking intellectual. He's the director of this facility. He's a brilliant man. And he doesn't believe Alicia's story. That's good. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm like, yeah, no. So I don't know who did it. Maybe she did do it. I mean, she did it. So they had me go on the entire book. There was always somebody, doubt being cast on somebody that they could possibly be the person, I felt like. So I was just intrigued the whole way through. I love this book. I would definitely recommend it. Um, It does have some strong language in it, but um, it was a good book. <laughs> what, what about you, Kari? What so you I read think? this book twice this week. Oh, wow. Because the end comes so fast. And for me, it was so thoroughly satisfying. I mean. It was. Oh, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> the, t- the way it jumps all over the timeline seamlessly mm-hmm. because Alicia's yes. diary readings, you understand and accept quickly that that's in the past. But when Theo yep. is talking about Kathy, you don't know he's talking about the past. He talks right. about that as if it's my, if it's, if it's the present day, but it's not. Cause in the present day, he lives in that same house he grew up with and his wife, Kathy is broken because he didn't arrange for the murder of her lover. Um, yeah. I did have some problems like in order to make this flow so seamlessly, it's just little stuff. Like I feel like when Theo described Alicia's um, suicide at the facility in the final pages, why did he lie to his inner dialogue? He knew it wasn't a suicide. Maybe he said that they said it was a suicide. 
Yeah, yeah, he said they said it was a suicide. Okay. Okay. At the hospital, he said, I noticed the, um, you know, the puncture room, but they said it was a suicide. They so were left to assume that. that's my problem. That. He picked up her arm and noticed the puncture wound. He never picked up her arm and noticed the puncture wound, right? He always knew it was there. Yeah, he knew it was there. So I, I, I did feel like that little piece of dialogue was um, wrong <laughs> because okay. the, he's not going to think, oh, this isn't a suicide. This is a murder. He knows he tried to murder Alicia. But that is so forgivable because, <laughs> I, I mean, the book. Now, John <laughs> Felix, what did he mean, do you think, when he told Alicia not to trust the people around her? Well, I was wondering if maybe he knew about the affair, but then he wouldn't have really been her friend if he didn't tell her. Oh, maybe he knew Gabriel was having an adulterous relationship with another woman. I didn't even mm-hmm. think of that. I just thought he saw how selfish Gabriel was because Jean-Felix was the same way. <laughs> and at least <Elisa laughs> just trust in these people. But yeah, maybe he knew about the affair. Hmm. And so in her um, in her journal, she made it clear she didn't like these people. Her whole world was Gabriel. She did not like Jean. She, she was trying like to get anyone. out of there. She didn't, she didn't have... like anybody. She didn't need right. them. And they were, and it was with reason, these were her, her aunt, even her cousin. I was wondering why that story about the cousin falling into gambling. There's a mm-hmm. little storyline about him falling in with loan sharks because he has a gambling problem. But it showed how he was broken too. She didn't have anybody to right. hold her lean up, on. to lean on. Even which to relate why, to. Right. Which is why she could paint her husband as her savior. Yeah. Even subconscious. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah. So how do we feel about Theo in the beginning, the middle and the end? OK, so, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, he needs to get. I mean, he is messed up, but I mean, he is really looking out for this woman. I, I'm not sure why. <laughs> I thought he was in love with her. Oh, you did think that? Yeah, I thought I didn't that think he had. He, a... I never thought he was in love with her. No. Yeah, no. Well, anyway, the point is, from the beginning, all he was trying to do was make sure he has a line in there where he's like, um, "She told Gabriel there was a man following her. He's t- she told Barbie. Who else did she tell? I must know." And I just thought, Ooh. is this really what a psych- psychotherapist would do? Because, <laughs> but yeah, it's what a murderer might do. And he didn't was, pull the trigger. He didn't murder anyone, right? And he says right. he didn't know Alicia was so unstable that she would murder her husband. So he's so hypocritical. He really always puts the blame on other people. Mm-hmm. This is what he needed to do so that she could be free. But he never wanted to be free from Kathy. No, <laughs> no. He was content to let it slide for her but this woman needed to know about her husband and that needed to be exposed what she he thought she was going to handle it the same way he would he did he said that is that right i don't know he said he didn't think he would she would kill him yeah but yeah yeah you're right so i'm thinking maybe what alex michaelides did by showing us how duplicitous theo is throughout the book remember we talked once about how little lies people who submit to little lies can kill someone (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. that all it takes is that little push and you can even be a murderer you'd never think you could have got there but once you start um submitting to these chips away at your ethics you can definitely fall into a a have a a path of homicide so anyway um that's probably i'm thinking what alex wanted to show us with theo because theo's always going yeah yeah no doubt and then doing whatever he wanted to do (laughs) doing whatever he wanted Mm, mm, good mm. book it was it was a great book language okay 
Yeah, the language is strong. I was thinking at first that it wasn't spor- it was sporadic, but it it's in there. Yeah, especially as he becomes more and more unhinged. Um, I think the language devolves more and more, but that's the silent patient. That is it. That's it. <laughs> okay, folks. Okay, Kari, what are we reading next week? This book you've been waiting on forever that you can't find nowhere. <laughs> did you get it? I got it. I finally have the Project it at home. Girl. So you did you or just Project Girl? Project no, Girl. The Project Girl. No, the. Did you um buy it? Yes, I okay, had to buy you it. Have to, look at you buying books. Ooh, cheating yeah, on the library. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Yeah, but I'm excited oh. about this one. Someone reached out to us via our DMs and was like, oh, I love Project Girl. And I was like, you do? Did you hear about it first through NPR? And she was like, yeah. We was like, me too. So yeah, looking forward to that one. Okay, well, we got that. Well, thanks for listening to another Lit Society podcast, y'all. Okay, because <laughs> this one was live. Uh, <laughs> we look forward to meeting with you next week. Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Honoria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment and why you absolutely love us. Please, we love you too. We love y'all too. Mm -hmm. And if you've enjoyed what you heard today, tell a friend about Lit Society. Please visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes this month's book list and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, read some